Reading this morning from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, it's found on page 38 in the Pew Bible. Mark 6, verse 1. Let us listen to God's word. Jesus left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. He was amazed at their unbelief. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In his book, Learning to Fall, The Blessings of an Imperfect Life, Phil Simmons tells this story. After he graduated from college, he went out west and he traveled for an entire summer, and then he went up into the mountains to a religious retreat center. He stayed there for some weeks, doing chores, attending worship, joining in prayer and meditation, working intentionally on his spiritual journey toward God. One day, he caught a ride way up into the mountains. He hiked the last few miles to a ledge that looked over a valley, and it was 30 miles to the next row of peaks. He writes, turning my back to the cliff, I could look out over the valley, I could look at the gorgeous sky, settling down with my back against the trunk of an ancient tree. My legs crossed my spine erect. I prepared myself for a holy vision. I waited. I breathed. I prayed. I waited. I waited some more. I quieted my thoughts. And then it came. It began as a tickle that I could not ignore, but I continued in my prayer. I focused my thoughts. The itch became worse. It moved higher up my back. I held on. I projected myself toward heaven, seeking divine contact. The tickle rose between my shoulders, and I could stand it no longer. It was an ant. And I jumped up and I ripped off my shirt and I knocked the offending insect away. And I gave up on my sitting and seeking divine contact. Instead, I spent the rest of the afternoon just strolling through the hills and marveling at the beauty. I had come for a miracle and what I got was an ant. He concludes... Years later, I came to understand that the ant was the miracle. It was the ant that returned me to the real world, 
that called me to another way of worship, the way of all things ordinary and small, the way of all that is imperfect, for this is where God is among us. The ant was my divine messenger. Finding God in the ordinary is quite difficult. Our blindness to his presence in what is plain may cause us to miss the very footprints of the Messiah. That's what's going on in Mark chapter 6. Jesus, as you know, has gone home, home to Nazareth. Nazareth is just a plain fishing village there on the north end of the Sea of Galilee, like so many other fishing villages all around the shore. And it is the Sabbath, and he is a good Jew, and so he has gone to the synagogue. There he reads the scroll for the day, and he begins to talk about the text and what he reads there. Some folk are stunned. They marvel at his words, but the marvel quickly turns to something else. They begin to mutter to each other. Who does this guy think he is? Up there rambling on about God's word in the good book. We know him. He's just Mary's son, Joseph's boy. We know his family. They live just down the street there by the well. They're good people, but nothing special. Nothing special. Who does he think he is trying to teach us? I remember when he was in preschool here. We taught him to read and write, right in this very synagogue. Henry over there gave him his first summer job. And now he comes back acting like he is somebody. They were offended. Jesus was just too ordinary for the good people of Nazareth. They were looking for much bigger things from God, big things like ten plagues of Egypt or dividing of the Red Sea. They expected the Almighty to do something a lot more spectacular than just send a hometown boy back to see them. They wanted Sturm und Drang, thunder and lightning as a religious experience, not the steady drizzle of somebody reading and talking about scripture. The tendency is in all of us. It's been there for a long time. Christian history is full of examples of the church deciding that it needs something spectacular, and so it dresses Jesus up. It shines a great big spotlight on him. It did not take very long in early Christian art for them to begin portraying Jesus sitting on a golden throne surrounded by the cherubim, floating high above all the angels. By the third century, the church made sure that Jesus was more spectacular than Zeus and more beautiful than Apollo. That will sell. Many of us still want to dress up the man from Nazareth, We think he'll sell better in the community if we can Photoshop his pictures before we put them on Facebook or Pinterest. Here's a picture of Jesus in a football jersey 
surrounded by cheering fans as he kneels in prayer in the end zone. Here is a picture of Jesus wearing a three-piece business suit, meeting with some very important people on Wall Street. Here is a picture of Jesus with his Hollywood hairdo. You like the way it sweeps back and the light strikes his face, surrounded by TV stars at a telethon. We want Jesus to shine so that he can get better publicity than a small-town Jew from a backwater neighborhood. There's something in us that wants God to be spectacular so that believing will be easier or at least more obvious. Jesus says to the crowd in Nazareth, he says to us, A prophet is respected most everywhere except in his hometown. And Jesus could do no mighty work there. He was surprised that the townspeople did not have faith. A sad statement. They did not have faith that he knew what he was talking about. They did not trust that God could work through somebody who lived just down the street. I'd like to turn the the negative statement into a positive. If If we do, then Jesus says, I can do wonderful things where people trust me. When people believe God can show up in ordinary places, they will see miracles all around them. We read these stories to make it easier for us to notice the fingerprints of God upon our lives in all the ordinary and routine places where we go. One of my first experiences of this, I was a seminary intern in Jacksonville, Florida. I worked in a small Presbyterian church on the north side of Jacksonville, the poor side of town. And one of my jobs was to run the food pantry. Folk would come in, I'd go in the pantry, put out two bags, in would go a canned ham, mac and cheese, green beans, cam yams, powdered milk, breakfast cereal, a few other things. After a while, this became pretty routine, one might say boring, and I would go out and give them the bags, they'd thank me, and they'd go on home. On this one particular Friday afternoon, a man came, he told me that they didn't have any food in the little apartment, he and his family. I went in, I filled the bags. When I came back, he said they were also out of kerosene. It was the middle of winter. Kerosene was what was used in those places to heat a a little stove. So I had a five-gallon drum I used for such things. I said, give me the address, I'll meet you there later. And I went off and filled the drum with fuel oil. Went to the big old house that had been carved up into apartments. You've seen that. Knocked on the door. And I was welcomed in, I got there about 5.30, and as I walked in, there was this little kitchen with a round table, and there sat the mother and a four-year-old child and about a seven-year-old child, and the dad's chair was clearly there. And the plates were set out, and the jelly jars with Fred Flintstone on them were at each place, napkin silverware. And on each plate was sliced ham green beans, mac and cheese, a piece of bread, all that had come from the church. 
and I, it was like somebody had suddenly turned on one of these Hollywood spotlights and said, now hear this. What the church does matters to people. I was absolutely glued to my spot. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. They invited me to supper. I begged off, and I went on home. The Holy Spirit surprises us in the most ordinary places because that is where the Messiah is at work. You know this. You've seen this in community meetings, gathering to talk about ways to touch the lives of people around you, tutoring a child in an elementary school library with all those pictures of A, B, and C up on the wall, or in a circle meeting, joining hands to pray for someone in a dark time and having that sense that there's one more set of hands joining yours. Those times when we have stumbled into the Messiah's presence while setting up beds for caritas or meeting early in the morning for coffee and Bible study in a plain old church library. Maybe you joined a small group just to humor a friend and then discovered that it began to water your soul, the dry places in your heart. We have all had these moments. It may be a moment in your own home on a Wednesday night helping a child brush teeth, get on pajamas, and then sitting down to tell a story and say prayers by the bed. Sure, on rare occasions there's a glorious sunset that makes us feel we've stumbled into the doorway of heaven, or maybe you're on a mountaintop when the breeze is blowing just right. Occasionally there are big moments like getting to go to the youth conference and sing with a thousand other young people in the hall at Montreat. But most of the time God is hidden, hidden in the ordinary places in our own neighborhoods. And the Messiah comes dressed as a neighbor from down the street, a retired volunteer, a fellow with a petition to save the rainforest or feed the refugees, an Eagle Scout with a project to complete a music teacher who helps us find our voice. Nothing very big, but just as insistent as an ant crawling slowly up our back, the reality of Christ alive among us causes us to look up and know, to know that God is here. These moments lead us to trust that Jesus knows what he's talking about. And we get to be there and listen. Thanks be to God.